All right, on this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we're going to continue the discussion. Well, everybody's talking about it. We just can't stop. We're going to talk about the coronavirus and uh, how it affects us uh, from a spiritual perspective. Yes, we we talked about topics that would be uh, appropriate for tonight's program, and the only thing we could think of, because it's on everybody's mind, is to talk some more about some of the ramifications of the coronavirus and how we're dealing with it. And so we're going to plan to do that. We've got a special guest to join us in just a minute. All right. It's going to be a good discussion. We're going to get started on it right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93. 381-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. April 16th, 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is with you tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. We're continuing to struggle with these remote connections, but we're doing our best and glad glad to be able to do it again this week. Glad to do it again. Kyle's with us uh, tonight again, not running the board, and that's part of the problem. Kyle, welcome to the program. Kyle's connection's real spotty tonight. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. There's a little delay on my end. I'm sorry for that, but it's good to be here. Yeah, glad that you're here, Kyle. Glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. Very much so. Lots of lots of delay there. Lots of folks on the uh, line tonight. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or uh, sign in the chat room as other people have signed in there. You can share your comments with listeners from around the U.S., maybe even around the world tonight. Uh, we're glad that you're listening, and we want to hear from you on the program. And uh, we are continuing to talk about the coronavirus because it does have a lot of uh, ch- uh, implications to us spiritually, a lot of challenges, too. Um, and uh, certainly things that we have to be on guard here, uh, as uh, Satan will use any opportunity he has uh, to try and get uh, God's children to fall. Uh, certainly he has a good uh, opportunity here, uh, so we need to make sure that we're alert spiritually along those lines. We've got joining us from Puerto Rico, Caleb Westbrook. Uh, Caleb is, is doing the work of an evangelist there in Puerto Rico, working hard, making a lot of sacrifices, he and his family, to be there. Caleb, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you, brothers. It's a pleasure and uh, a blessing to be here with you. Um, and you didn't say that right. You're supposed to say hola, Caleb. <laughs> oh, in uh, español, hola, bienvenidos. Es un placer y bendición para estar con ustedes esta noche. Gracias. Oh, boy. Great. Uh, uh, so um, we uh, we got in touch with you, Caleb, because um, you sent out your, your monthly report on things going on down there in Puerto Rico and talked about some of the challenges that you're having, uh, very similar to the challenges that we have in the U.S. but uh, and around the world, uh, maybe a little bit more stringent uh, challenges there than many places here. And, uh, and you guys are dealing with uh, some of the challenges and the questions uh, that we all are dealing with is how do we respond uh, to, to these challenges. And so we wanted to have you on just to, for a few minutes to get a perspective from a, a little different uh, area, but uh, again, some of the same challenges we all have. So um, we, uh, 
Caleb, we were talking before we got started here. Um, you guys uh, have even been forbidden to get on the roads on certain days. I think Sunday is one of those days where you're not even allowed to, to drive. Yes, sir. The, the government's taking a really strong lockdown here in Puerto Rico, and that's understandable given our demographic. Puerto Rico, we're part of the U.S. Uh, we are a territory or commonwealth of the U.S., and we have about 3.5 million people on our island. Our island's pretty small in the Caribbean. It's about 110 miles long uh, by 35 miles north to south. And so you have a large population density and a real small area. And so the government's been really concerned with our older population and our and just the way things have been. So they've kind of just thought, what are the most extreme measures that we can take that can lock everybody down and stop the virus? And that's pretty much what they've done. And so since March 15th, we've been on pretty much martial law or martial law light. Uh, we've been under strict orders to stay at home. Technically, we're not even supposed to go on a walk around our neighborhood. Unless you have a child with autism, you're not supposed to go out in the street and take a walk. Uh, going to the supermarket, everybody's required to wear personal protective equipment. Um, and you're only allowed on the roads to go to either the supermarket, the pharmacy, or doctor's office. Part of the difficulty, though, with the doctor's office, in my case, I've got a little bit of a respiratory issue going on right now just for seasonal stuff. But I can't visit my doctor because they've shut that down. Uh, so only the major clinics and hospitals are open. And really, they're only open to see uh, COVID-19 patients. So there's been a lot of strain going on uh, with our with our island and our society, and, and everything's really racked hard. I will say that Puerto Ricans are very patient people, and as a whole, they probably did are doing better because we've had a little bit of practice with this. When I first arrived at the island in 2017, we had Hurricane Maria, and people were without power for six, seven months uh, in some places on the island. And so people here are kind of used to that. We had earthquakes back at the beginning of this year in December, January. And so people here, there's not any civil unrest, but there is a lot of strain. There, It's difficult just to do daily things. But being a part of the U.S. and receiving some of the social welfare programs and the things that the U.S. provides, we are still in much better situation than our brethren in Central America. And so – it's it's still a progressing situation, but it's very difficult. Now you have specifically, got uh, specifically how have how have you and the brethren there where you're working and preaching? How have you addressed the the the, the harsh, hardship in regards to assembling to worship? Yeah, so the assembly question is definitely on everyone's mind. I know it has been in the states. It's a little more difficult with us because the government has specifically forbid us to come together and meet. Uh, I know in the states there's been a lot more flexibility, like in Texas or Missouri, where my parents are from. The governors have given more flexibility on meeting. But the government here has deemed religious activities, except for death rites, um, as non-essential. And so we can't go to have Bible studies with anybody. We can't even go uh, legally and baptize somebody. Um, because the government has deemed all of that non-essential. Um, now, our brethren are, they have different views. I don't want to say they're divided, uh, because I think people are trying patiently and lovingly to work together, and everyone recognizes this is an extenuating circumstance with a lot of complications, a lot of different perspectives and arguments. They're trying to work together on it. 
But um, for some time, we've been trying to do, you know, what a lot of brethren have been doing in terms of the virtual. Uh, some of our brethren um, are not really content with that, but there's a real risk on the line here in Puerto Rico that if we have church services at our house, which we have done, um, and the police find out about that, they could come and fine us $5,000 a piece or put myself and my wife in jail for six months. That is a very real possibility. Well, they were put you guys in. I mean, you're, that's much more strict dis, uh, lockdown discipline than we've experienced here. Uh, but you said earlier when we were talking that you are still in. Personally, you're in the mode of wanting to assemble to worship. Yes, sir. I am. I, I recognize it's a very complicated issue, and so I think. We need to study this patiently and lovingly as best we can. Um, and I also believe in congregational autonomy, which I'm glad to see the majority of our brethren have been reaffirming very well. Um, and so I think we need to come together as our congregations and discuss these things and open our Bibles and test ourselves. One of my biggest concerns, just for me and knowing humanity uh, as well, is normally when we get ourselves into difficult or extenuating circumstances, it's very easy to justify our current course of action. Right. And that's usually just our, our reaction and our reflex to do. And part of the problem with that is many times we can become blinded in our self-justification. And we, we could list a whole host of false doctrines or movements uh, among Christianity or, you know, even among the church where people have been reactionary to certain things. And I've even seen brethren kind of come back and say, well, all of my teaching regarding the assembly up to this point was wrong. And maybe that is the case. Maybe we were wrong, uh, and that might be the, the right answer coming out of all this and having a post-mortem, like a reflection time period on it. But there's another part of me that's just concerned and says, well, we might be sacrificing some of our convictions now to go with what's easy. And I know the difficulty of that, and if you don't mind me sharing a personal example here, Absolutely. there was a brother who wanted to come and visit me, and he wanted to come and, and kind of have a study and to encourage me and my family during this time. And there's a difficult balance between saying, like, well, what's his work as a Christian and what's the government say? And I was trying to tell him, no, don't come. But honestly, and I have to confess, my reason for telling him not to come wasn't, well, you should abide by the law of the land or, well, you should, you know, think about doing God's work in another way. I said, if you come, you will either be fined $5,000 or you'll be thrown in jail. And I'm not saying he should have come, but honestly, my motive for stopping him was out of fear. Is out of fear for either contagion or fine or imprisonment, and it wasn't for the proper motives. And I look at this in a broader perspective, and I also wonder, are we using the right motives in this discussion? Because I know how easy fear is to creep in and then drive us. And my bigger concern in all of this is not where we land necessary as a congregation of having services or not having services. My bigger concern is, are we using faithful arguments, and are we being motivated with faith over fear? And that's a deeper discussion that's harder to have with a lot of people rather than the reactionary, well, let's have services, not have services, and, oh, we're all going to get, you know, coronavirus. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. Good, good points, uh, Caleb. You know, 
some of the arguments that we're hearing people make and justification that people make are really just downright scary um, as maybe they're motivated by fear. Maybe they're motivated for other reasons. But, you know, one of the passages that I've seen misused a lot is 1 Corinthians 7, 26, where Paul was giving some uh, instructions for the present distress as he gave uh, some advice there. Uh, and people are using that as sort of the uh, get out of jail free card that, you, you know, hey, we're in a difficult situation, so we don't have to worry too much about what God said, his instructions, uh, the, the need for Bible authority. We're in this present distress, and so, you know, all holds uh, are, 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 are free here, you know, no holds barred. Um, and I, I, we got to be very careful. I agree on that, Jacob. Uh, really, if you think about that uh, text in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul, where he spoke of the present distress, he was actually, he wasn't saying, don't do what you're supposed to do because of the present distress. He was saying, don't don't exercise the the liberty of marriage. Right, in the right. Present distress. He wasn't saying you can you can forsake some of your responsibilities because you're in present distress. He was saying maybe you should think about foregoing a privilege of marriage so that you're not worried about taking care of a wife uh, yeah. during these troubling times. But it it's hey, applicable to the idea of. Uh, you don't have to worship now because it's present distress. No, the, the, the way people are using it now is, hey, if you're married and uh, you think it'd be easier not to be married, you can get divorced because of the present distress. That's not what Paul is saying, and that's yeah. the equivalent of what be, people are that saying would now. Be the ap- that would be the logical application of the way they're using it now. That's right, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, so, Caleb, it's great, to hear, it's great to hear about your work down there in Puerto Rico. I, it, it sounds like you guys are really under the gun. Uh, you'll be in our prayers, and... Uh, Hopefully this is maybe we're on the downhill side of this whole issue. Things can get back to normal, but we we sure appreciate what you're doing down there in Puerto Rico, and and, and your sacrifice and conviction is just a real encouragement to us all. Yeah, thanks a lot, Caleb. Thank you, brother. and thank you for taking time to join us tonight on the program. Great to great to talk to you, and great to to know that you're down there uh, standing strong. Thank you. God bless you, Caleb. All right, we're going to get a break. When we get back, uh, Dad, you posed some questions for us. Give us a, a rundown on that question we're going to get when we get back. Okay, Jacob, you were just talking about a uh, uh, a verse that is maybe being misused in this crisis, and I want to talk about another one, Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered in my name. Jesus said, I'll be there in this, and we want to talk about that when we come back from the break. All right, All right. we're going to get a break. And when we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? 20 years down the road, how will I be doing? 
As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. If it really doesn't matter how you live as a Christian, then why is it that most of the New Testament was written to Christians to show them how to live? Dr. William Glasser said, if you want to change attitudes, start with a change in behavior. In other words, begin to act the part, as well as you can, of the person you'd rather be, the person you most want to become. Gradually, the old person will fade away. We are either the masters or the victims of our attitudes. It is a matter of personal choice, blessing, or curse. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your Internet connection for some. And we're back on the program tonight as we continue to talk about considerations around the coronavirus and, uh, and certain spiritual implications and spiritual questions that we need to have on our minds. And you mentioned a passage before the break about um, a misused passage that you think uh, that we need to stop and think about. Yeah, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, I, I, it's a well-known expression. Uh, lots of people refer to it. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 24, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And people have been used, people have, I mean, for a long time, people have said, if two Christians are together and they're worshiping, then the Lord is with them in that worship. And so it has been used to justify things like, we're going on vacation this week, and it'd be really inconvenient to have to schedule our trip so that we would be at a place where Christians normally assemble to worship. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have our own worship service in the motel room, and we'll we'll take a little grape juice and some unleavened crackers, and we'll have we'll observe the Lord's Supper. But we're going to do we're going to do our own worship because we're, because the verse says where two or three are gathered together, and there's going to be actually five of us. So where where two or three are gathered together, Jesus promises to be there with them in that worship. So we're just going to do it that way, and then of course we can go right on off to the amusement park, or we can hit the golf course, we can go fishing. Uh, we're on vacation, after all. Yeah. Uh, but that's been, the, that's been the way that that passage has been used. And now, in the coronavirus crisis, it's being used that way to justify the not coming together for worship, but, but remote, you know, so me and my wife are at home. That's two. The Lord's with us because we're two or are gathered. We're two or three are gathered. Uh, the Lord is with us, and so it's okay for me to stay home. Maybe I can watch the sermon on the on the live stream. But we're going to take the Lord's supper, just her and me. But Matthew eighteen verse twenty says we're two or three gathered together. He's there. Uh, again, I, I think it's a it's a misuse. We we talked for the last two or three weeks as we've been discussing that, that clearly the Lord's service should be something done when the whole church comes together in one place. Uh, th- those expressions are repeated in a long in a long section of 1 Corinthians, beginning in chap- about midway through chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, and all the way through uh, the end of chapter 14. Paul is talking about the assemblies of, of, of the Corinthian church, and he, he, he specifically mentions the whole church coming together in one place, and the observance of the Lord's Supper. In Acts 20, verse 7, the, the Christians in Troas came together. 
for the purpose of, of observing the Lord's Supper. We think that the Lord's Supper should be done in an assembly of saints, not a remote virtual assembly. And, and any effort to use Matthew 18.20 to justify that sort of thing, I think, is a misuse of the text. I just really I want to real quickly, if, if, if our listeners have got your Bibles open to Matthew 18, uh, notice that, that starting in verse 15, Jesus is talking about a, a sinning brother. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So the, the context is dealing with a sinful brother. You go to him individually. If he won't hear you, you take, uh, uh, in verse 16, you take two or three with you. If he won't hear them, you take, you put it before the whole church, uh, verse 17. But if he neglects to hear the church, then he's, Jesus says, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. And it's in that context that Jesus says in verse 18, Verily I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. In other words, Jesus, Jesus is giving Christians and churches the authority to do disciplinary action. That's what we typically call this is church discipline. And it's in that context he says that when you do that, when two or three are together in my name, I am with you. Uh, I'm in, uh, uh, so the context of this is about church discipline, and Jesus is effectively saying, I endorse what you're doing. I'm with you in that action when you take disciplinary action. But the context there uh, has absolutely nothing to do with worship. And to apply that uh, in, in some sense toward a worship uh, assembly, a, a small group gathering and calling it an assembly because Jesus is in their midst. That's not the context of Matthew 18 at all. That's along the lines of what uh, Brian, uh, I think Brian's out in uh, California, he said, uh, I have been taught this citation in Matthew is better suited for disciplining or reproving an erring brother. I do accept worship as being offered by Paul and Silas while in prison if we are examining an instance of two gathered together. No mention is made of the Lord's Supper, however, so I'm hesitant to cite as a proof text for partaking of the Lord's Supper. But we, but are we then qualifying, if dismissing the possibility of their partaking of the Lord's Supper while in chains, a certain act of worship in ways and means beyond what the Scriptures permit, due solely to their sequestered circumstances? Uh, so he he doesn't think that uh, you could worship alone like uh, some are using the Matthew passage for. But he has questions about. Um, Paul and Silas have been prison. Well, I, 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 I just can't imagine that they were observing the Lord's Supper there. We don't even know it was the Lord's Day when they were cast into prison. Uh, we don't know what day of the week it was. There's no indication that they would have been taking the Lord's Supper. They were praying and singing. You can yeah. do that any time. You can do that any day. You can do that when you're by yourself. You can do that when you're with others. But the Lord's Supper and the contribution are the two acts of worship that are specifically mentioned in the assembly of the saints. That's and, right. Uh, I, I wouldn't use Paul and Silas as, as justification for what some are doing in regards to the remote or virtual observance of the Lord's Supper. I don't think that one applies. Uh, he asked another question. He says, instead of remotely or virtually, as you say, uh, which is it undoubtedly is, could we also classify it as a current uh, or conjunctively, concurrently or conjunctively? In these terms, are even applicable in such an existential arrangement. I know we can take an expedient too far, but where in spirit and in truth extends, and I'm not saying how far that is, I don't know, is the separateness, that is, in home gatherings, accompanying the physical, physical geographical boundaries, disqualifying 
even when led and coordinated in real time as one in unison, in unison observance or activity. So he says, you know, are we together if we're doing it virtually? Well, I, I mean, words mean things, and 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 the expression there in First Corinthians, for instance, in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three. Therefore, if therefore the whole church be come together in one place, I mean that it, it, words mean things, and that's talking about a, a a singular geographical location. That's not talking about together in the sense of oneness, unity. We're we're really together, although we're miles apart. Uh, that's not that's that is talking about one specific locale, a, a specific geographical spot. Now, I think last week in the virtual Bible study, we mentioned that Paul understood the idea of being together in the sense of unity or unison. If you go to the same epistle in First Corinthians five, uh, when when he was urging them to discipline that immoral brother, he said. Uh, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3, I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Uh, so even in that time, 2,000 years ago, Paul understood the, sense, the idea of I'm with you. I, I, I join with you in this act. Yeah. But in that same epistle then, when he wrote about observing the Lord's Supper, he said the whole church come together in one place. And again, that's a context that begins about halfway through chapter 11 and runs all the way through the end of chapter 14. So they were physically together in one place. And so that's where we would go to say, hey, listen, if I'm going to do this by faith, knowing that God has given me these instructions, I'm going to do that uh, in one, one geographical location. Jim is in Kentucky. He says, I think we may need to reexamine Matthew 18:20. We have, for many years, used this as a valid reference for couples to gather in their homes for worship. And even though we would still consider that valid when there is no congregation close, Matthew 18:20 seems to be talking about something other or different than worship. The context of Matthew 18 is the reconciliation of two brethren at odds, verse 15. If one brother refuses the private offer of reconciliation, then the brother who is seeking to reconcile is to bring one or two more, verse 16, who will be witnesses. Uh, they then will hear the matter and bring it before the church. I think verse 20 then, in context, deals with the authority of those two or three to stand before the congregation and provide their testimony. The Lord agrees they are doing his work, he says. I think that's right. I think you're right. He, he says, the question you pose, to the question you pose, it is not possible to come together, as Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, over the Internet. The concept of coming together is personal and not long distance. Why not come together over the phone or via snail mail? If I do not personally need to be in the presence of another with regards to worship, then any means will do. Thank you, Jim, for your comments Good, tonight. Jim. Let me read what Dwight in Iowa says. He says, I was asked this question myself by someone. I asked Brother Greg about it and did some in-depth study on it. So Dwight is mentioning that he and I had corresponded about this. According to the scriptures, this verse has nothing to do with worship, but as you read it, it has everything to do with correcting a brother. It has to be by the authority of the Lord. So with this verse, I see no authority to partake the Lord's Supper or give remotely or virtually. If we can for a short time, then why not all the time? Save the money used in buying and upkeep, buying and upkeeping a building and put it towards high-tech equipment for people not to leave their homes. My question is, how would elders, if present in the church, shepherd that flock? How would we fulfill the command to assemble in 
Hebrews chapter 10. How would we fulfill the command to come together as the church to take the Lord's Supper? Virtually it's not found in the scriptures. There's wisdom on God's part for telling us to come together in a single location, Acts 20, verse 7 following, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17 and following. Uh, he says the church came together, not virtually. I agree. Right. We got an email uh, just in from E.R. Hall uh, down in Alabama, and uh, he said, uh, would it be a correct statement to make that Matthew 18, 18 through 20, is in a context applicable to the apostles based on the statement Jesus made in verse 18 with uh, Jesus' earlier statement to the apostle Peter in Matthew 16, 19? The statement Jesus is making in verse 20 is being stated to assure them of the promise he made to them, his apostles, in verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two or three on earth agree about anything they ask, or uh, it will be done to them, uh, by, done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, the you, they, and them are referring to the apostles. Is this reasonable? I think it is reasonable, and I've heard that explanation through the years that Brother E. All are mentions there. Uh, however, my take on it is a little broader than that, not just to the apostles, but to faithful brethren who in the context are are taking action in an effort to restore a fallen brother, even to the point of withdrawing themselves from him. And, and Jesus used the expression, let him be into the a heathen and a publican, as a heathen and a publican. That's really extreme action. And when churches do it even today, man, that's an extreme act. Jesus is saying, I'm with you in that. Uh, what you bind on earth uh, is bound in heaven. Now, if you take that action, then it, it's recognized heaven that action has taken place. So I don't think he was talking just about the apostles, but it even would be applicable to us today. We take those steps, then it's, it's recognized in heaven, and the Lord is with us when we do it in his name or by his authority. All right, good. Um, we have an email from, uh, from uh, let's see here, uh, from Joshua. He said, um, if we equate our virtual, ascen- okay, no, I'm sorry. Uh, this is for a later question. So that's, uh, okay. we'll go on. Oh, right. okay. I thought that All was right. I think we're, we're, over- we're overdue for a break. Let's, yeah, get that break. let's get that break. When we get back, we'll uh, continue with the next question. On your list, uh, yeah, what was that? Well, then we'll get to the, the next question is, what do you think may be some of the long-term consequences uh, uh, of decisions being made now concerning the coronavirus? Are there any long-term consequences uh, from the way that we're responding to the virus? Uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, we'll be back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. That's just the preacher, and that's just his opinion. With these words, the sermon that has just been delivered is dismissed and the lesson is ignored. Everything the preacher has taught is wiped away with the stroke of a very wide brush. It's just his opinion. Don't worry about it. Do preachers have opinions? Of course they do. Like everyone else, they have opinions about politics and sports, the weather, and a hundred other subjects. They also have opinions about the important judgments that must be made in our personal lives and in our congregational work. In this, they are no different than any other Christian. Do preachers express their opinions? Of course they do. Like most other people, preachers will tell you what they think about subjects that are of interest to them. And spiritual subjects are very important to them. Thus, they are prone to state their views on issues that relate to serving God. There's nothing wrong with a preacher or any other Christian expressing an opinion. 
When they do, you may choose to agree or disagree. Typically, preachers have based their judgment upon sound principles and years of practical experience. Their opinions, therefore, should carry some weight to those who are concerned about following the best course in matters of expediency. But their opinions are just that, opinions, and they do not carry the force of divine law. You are invited to totally disregard them if it is only their opinion. But be careful, because preachers are also proclaiming God's commandments, and these must be obeyed. If the preacher is demonstrated by book, chapter, and verse that what he's saying is the will of God, you cannot just overlook it by claiming that's just his opinion. If he has shown the authority of Scripture for what he's teaching, then it is not an opinion. It is law. It must be obeyed. If you fail to do so, you are ignoring God, not the preacher. Or as the Apostle Paul said, quote, He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 8. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. We appreciate you joining us. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Uh, don't look at the uh, meeting uh, times on the website. They're no longer accurate. We're meeting in our parking lot on uh, Sunday mornings at 1030. Um, and then doing some Internet broadcasting the other time. So, Kyle, this cuts, back, cuts down on your uh, on your. YouTube activity by about 33% if I do my math correct, but you're still out there. Yep. Uh, again, there's a delay. But yeah, it's, uh, we're, we do put the video on Sunday mornings. Uh, we'll have, um, there should be a video prepared for Sunday night, and we'll, we're trying to do as much as we can to stream and put it out there, though. So. All right. Appreciate you doing right, that. So, just to summarize, we, we, we're doing a drive-in so that we can come together, so that we're coming together uh, on Sunday morning at 1030. It's all done outside. Uh, the worshipers all stay in their cars, uh, but we and, and we distribute the Lord's Supper, and we take up a collection. Uh, it's all done in compliance. We believe in complete compliance with what our Tennessee governor has asked us to do. And we've actually been in contact with our local police department who signed off on our activity. And so we're blessed. I know there are places, Caleb Westbrook earlier was telling us down in Puerto Rico, for instance, that they're not letting them do anything. And so we're blessed to be in a place where we can still do that. We've had to make some real extreme accommodations in order to allow for it. But So if you're in Middle Tennessee, and I know a lot of churches have just stopped meeting. And, and if you're a member of one of those congregations and you want to come together with other Christians, we invite you here Sunday morning, 1030. Come to our drive-in worship service in the parking lot. Then Sunday night, we're doing a, a, a sermon, a live stream uh, of a sermon. And we're in a series on Sunday nights in which we're discussing Bible authority, which we think is so critically important. And then on Wednesday night, we're doing a live stream of uh, a Bible study in the book of Acts, which is also very fundamentally important to our faith. And so join us in the parking lot Sunday morning and at College View live stream on Sunday night at 6 and Wednesday night at 7. Yeah, but we meet at 1030, but you can't come in there on two wheels at 1029 because, uh, well, we got to get you parked. we got to make sure you got everything set yeah. up. So no yeah. sliding in the back pew at 1031. you got to get there early. 
Exactly. And, uh, and we got and, and the parking lot's pretty full, so you want to make sure you you get in early. Appreciate uh, uh, that uh, opportunity. Kevin in the chat room said um, that he. It, this is way back when we were talking with Caleb that fear can cause us to not follow the steps toward salvation too. Uh, however, fear should not be a driver in our decisions. Matthew ten twenty eight and fear not them which can kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And uh, and so that's um, something that we definitely need to, to take into consideration. You know, um, I had to I had to go out for some essentials today, and there, people aren't necessarily staying in. And so if you're not scared to go to the grocery store on Monday morning, but you're afraid to assemble for a fear of catching something on Sunday morning, uh, you maybe uh, need to check your your fear gauge there and, and what it's causing you to do. Yeah, I, I was out today as well, and there, there are cars everywhere. The drive-in windows at all the fast food restaurants were just absolutely jam-packed. So people jam-packed. Doing. And uh, so if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do anything, now I'm gonna worship if I'm able, and I'm able, we're able, so I'm gonna keep doing that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Owen uh, Purcell in the chat room says, so what is the person limit or other qualification to make a gathering and assembly of the saints? Good question. How would you answer that one? Well, I think it, 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 it's a question about whether it is an established church. In other words, if, if I'm in a motel room with two or three other people, that's enough people. That could be a church. That could be a congregation. Two people could constitute a congregation. And if it's a congregation and we come together to worship and observe the Lord's Supper, two is as good as 200 in that regard. But is it a congregation or not? Is, is this a, a, a body of believers in a specific location? Or is it just that we happen to be on vacation this week and we're taking this as an easy way out? I think it has to do with what, what is the... What's behind it? What's the intention? What's the purpose? Uh, you know, our, our, so I'm a member of, of the College Youth Congregation this week. Next week, I'm going to be uh, a member of the, you know, Super 8 Congregation motel room while I'm on vacation. Uh, and then, But then when I come back, I'm going to be a member of the College Youth Congregation again. I, yeah, obviously, that doesn't work. I mean... If it's an established congregation, if people are working together in a local community uh, to do the work of our Lord, then two constitutes a church, if that's all the Christians there are. Uh, two, as I said, is as good as 200, but what's behind it? All right, good. Good. Uh, thanks, Owen, for your, your comments tonight. Kevin says we should all have a better appreciation for our worship together now. Uh, simply for Lord's Supper, giving, singing, praying, even the Scripture expounded. That is really true, Kevin. I, I'm absolutely with you on that. I can't wait till we can get back to normal here. It's driving us crazy. Yep. Uh, and then he says, uh, "Well, that's and this is probably on to point number four of your questions tonight, which we're going to have to hurry to get to. He says, this present situation challenges in all those aspects. I look forward to seeing all my brethren in person once again. Uh, and, he's, and he's, okay, so... Uh, uh, he says they're restarting services there this Sunday at the church building in the parking lot if more than 10 arrive, social distancing inside if less than 10 arrive. So, okay, so they got plans to get things back together again. All right, so you ask long-term, 
What are some? Let's just read what our emailers said, Jacob. What What do you think are maybe some of the long-term negative consequences of the choices we're making right now as we deal with the coronavirus? Well, let's, uh, before we get onto that, we got a, a, a late-breaking email here. Uh, I think it's Brandon. Uh, says, what about apostles when they traveled to spread the word? Do they think? Do you think they took the Lord's Supper when they went out two by two? I don't know. I couldn't say. I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But we know when churches were, we know that, for instance, Acts 20, verse 7, Paul on his trip made a specific determination to to, to tarry in Troas in Acts 20, verse 7, because he knew the church there would be coming together to observe the Lord's Supper. All right, there you go. Other than that, I don't don't know how we would say. Yeah, and and we've got to be careful here. And again, uh, these are challenging times and challenging questions, but we want to take the safe route. Uh, We want to make sure that we can do everything by faith, Romans 14, verse 23. I've got to be sure that what I'm doing is approved of God, and the only way I know that is from Romans 10, 17, the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I've got to make sure that what I'm doing isn't just based on speculation and um, what-if kind of things. I'm doing it based upon what God's Word said, and I'm going to, I'm going to take that safe road and make sure that I've got a, a Bible pattern, a Bible authority for everything that I do. All right. Now, your question about long-term consequences. Yeah, we got an email again from Brian out in California. He said, my greatest long-term fear is that virtual worship will become an acceptable alternative after the present distress has passed and church doors are reopened. I've weighed in on a couple of questions, a couple of my own. Oh, he's got some other questions. I don't know if we'll get time to get to them, Brian. But but he, he says his big concern is... He's afraid people get used to staying home. You kind of kind of need to worship in your comfy pants and uh, not have to get dressed up to go to church. Maybe people. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to sit in the car too. Maybe this uh, maybe this driving worship thing could be a thing. We got to wonder about that. Uh, here's what Josh uh, Joshua says, um, and he says uh, if it is acceptable. Uh, say okay. Uh, Okay, if, yeah, if, yeah, if, we allow, if we equate our virtual assembly to coming together in one place as a church, so if you're going to say, well, we can do YouTube church just like we can do in-person church, then I have a few questions. Are those who are rejecting and have the ability to join the virtual assembly to be noted and admonishing, admonished for forsaking the assembly? So, oh, so his point is I didn't see old brother Joe. I didn't see him log on. He hasn't logged on. Is he forsaking? He's forsaking the log on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, if it is acceptable to worship now virtually as a local church, then can we rightly rebuke any member who wants to continue doing so in the future? So, hey, you guys get back together. We're staying home. And you just, uh, Kyle keeps on, uh, you know, streaming the services. Mm, some of us are just going to stay home, but we're there. We're, we're assembled. Uh, he says, if we accept all acts of virtual worship now as acceptable, then why not allow people to abandon being members of their local congregation and become members of our local congregations by just uh, streaming them into the regular assemblies? Again, if they can sing, pray, participate, give, take the Lord's Supper virtually now, why then why not later? And if not, why not? So hey, A couple of weeks ago, we, we made reference to a big denominational group in Edmond, Oklahoma, that's doing that exact thing. They've got members who are never with them, and they're scattered all over the country. And that's not because of the coronavirus. That's just oh. their practice. Yeah. yeah. 
Number four, would it be acceptable for those who are holding a completely virtual virtual worship service for a family to just participate virtually while they're away on a vacation or at a soccer tournament on a Sunday or out on a fishing trip? Hey, you know, you got this wireless uh, hotspot. Why not uh, stream the services from the bass boat? Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. You know, we could actually have a line in the water. Right. You know? Uh, while while worship is going on, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we might catch two or three during that worship time. Yeah, uh, Joshua says Josh. but he concludes some of these situations are the ones I believe we are going to have trouble dealing with on any consistent basis, based on how brethren have redefined the assembly during this pandemic. Yeah, you got to be careful what kind of doors you open there. Appreciate that. Jim in Kentucky says, uh, I do not know if we can accurately know what the long-term consequences may be. One thought is the regular flu season, which comes about every year. Some may be persuaded to justify locking up during that time as the coronavirus seems to be simply a stronger version of the flu. What about measles or chickenpox? If we seek to justify means for staying away, given will never seem to end. Once that door is opened, a crack by one generation, the next will seek to open it wider for their justification. I think he's right. Good point. Uh, Kevin in the chat room says, yes, there are many long-term consequences to what we're doing now. Lots of teaching and unlearned, un, uh, lots of teaching and unlearning personal opinions about how, why we are doing things at a distance. And the folks that will make this exception out of out to be their new rule. So he's, he agrees that you know things might be taken too far. Dwight in Iowa says, spiritually speaking, the long-term consequences could mean weak brothers and sisters will be weaker by not coming together. This is the big issue: churches breaking into many groups, and that's M-I-N-I, not M-A-N-Y. Churches breaking up into many groups. Churches canceling altogether. Not as much studying may take place because we are not being encouraged by other fellow Christians. I would like to hope and think that some may realize the importance of coming together through this time. And so, yeah, yeah he's worried about some of those things. Certainly we are as well. All right. Yeah. We need, uh, we're way behind schedule. Uh, Let's grab our last break. And then when we get back, we've got really three questions left. We're just going to read what our emailers have said and comment briefly. We'll go to the top of the Go fast. All right. When we get back, we'll get to that. We'll take your comments uh, in the chat room if you'd like to share them there. Don't go anywhere. The Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Propane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Less than 10% of Protestant churches met in person last weekend. 
A recent survey showed that 99% of Protestant churches were meeting on March 1st, but by the end of the month, only 7% met on March 29th. Meanwhile, 92% of churches are live streaming their services or providing members with a pre-recorded video. The Word of God says in Matthew 6, beginning verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back, back to, to the, the virtual tonight, Bible. And we're going to the top of the hour in the chat room tonight. Kevin's noting that his dry cleaning bill and fuel bill is much lower with a virtual assembly. And he's usually not late, he says. Um, so way to go, Kevin. Um, yeah. I guess it's not too hard to get to your living room on time. Um, yeah. And if you can't make it and you can sit in the dining room, maybe slide in without people noticing. Uh, the Horwath family in the chat room says, I'm seeing a growing inconsistency on how Christians are picking and choosing how they apply their reasoning and logic. We must be consistent. This isn't a buffet. Cultures change. Situations arise. But God's word is consistent and proof why we made a good decision to meet virtually tonight with that coughing going on. Uh, but uh, he says this isn't a buffet. You can't just pick and choose what you want. Uh, we got to be consistent, and, and and this is the time when it hurts. I mean, when when things aren't convenient, and that and it's and this is the time when, as Caleb mentioned, we might be more willing to squirm a little bit when it comes to how we're going to apply God's word and 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 submit to God's word. And we got to be careful about that. Yeah, we really need to do some self evaluation about our motives and and all the decisions we're making. And I think that was the good point, Kevin or uh, Caleb was making. Number three, okay. best practices. What do you think are best practices uh, right now regarding our personal conduct and congregations and their activities? Okay. All right. Uh, so Jim in Kentucky says we have to leave this up to each individual as that is how we will be judged individually, not congregationally. Many have found unique short-term ways to continue to worship. We have used both walkie-talkies and now an FM transmitter. Uh, if we are seeking a way, we will find a way. If we are seeking a way to continue to meet on the first day of the week, we will find a way. If we are seeking to, an excuse not to meet, we'll find one. So they said don't look for excuses. Look for ways to get it done. Good, good. Uh, Dwight says personally do the best you can in putting God first in your life. This will also show your children what is important. Pray individually as well as a, as a family. Do your part in continuing to study God's word. As a congregation, worship God in spirit and truth. If we can't worship that way, then our worship is in vain. And Mohan in Illinois has some good ideas. He says some things Christians may do now is try to evangelize online by posting videos that are spiritually related, placing gospel tracks on windshield wipers to get the gospel out, and if working from home, using opportunities to shine and having a positive attitude when in communication with others. Uh, also, if someone needs to be baptized, we need to make sure uh, somehow that is taken care of. Churches can stream online. Also, even in normal times, if someone lives in an area where there's no sound church nearby to get to, the online option may be the best thing in regards to worship and fellowship while they attempt to start something in their area. Thank you, Mohan, for your comments tonight. I, I would emphasize that last phrase. He said you've got to try to start something locally. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, in this, so you got Dwight. So we're ready to go on to number four. We're Question four: What positive lessons do you think we can learn from this whole experience with the coronavirus? Jim in, in Kentucky says the unique ways brethren are striving to continue to fill the Lord's commands to meet together is heartwarming and uplifting. Yeah. I agree. 
that. I I know we've been encouraged here at College View that the spirit of, of cooperation and uh, uh, everybody pitching in and helping out is 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 been pretty big thing to do our drive-in worship service uh and what we've done online bible studies everybody's joining in it's it's just been i really have to say it's been encouraging yes it has definitely not what we want to do long term but it has oh, no. the best of the situation uh especially last weekend when the the skies opened up and we oh, got flooded we had our worship service last sunday morning in columbia tennessee in the parking lot and it was a downpour i mean it wasn't just raining it was a flood i wish uh, i had my rubber boots on it was that bad i mean yeah was, we had lake puddles, college you know. view we had lake college view going on out here in yeah, the parking lot yeah uh, Dwight says, it has made me look into my life and into God's word even more deeper. None of us know when our time here on earth will cease, so we must always be prepared, James 4.14. Also, we should all know God is in control and he has our best interests at heart. Thank you for that, uh, Dwight. And certainly good reminder. So, you know, lots of things to think of. I think a lot of people are, are stepping back and saying, you know, uh, what, well, you know, what's important in life? And am I, am I making the best use of the time that I have? Kyle, you, you can comment uh, what you're seeing. I, mean, I think that uh, it, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to step back and uh, reassess. Oh, absolutely. This is, uh, this is my eye-opening for any facet of our lives spiritually and uh, our normal walks of life. This is, this is a very odd experience. Experience. I think we'll remember this for the rest of our life. We'll be changed by this experience. So. Hey, we, we will be changed, and we'll never forget this. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, well, 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 not so fast. You know, I was thinking about that. This isn't the first pestilence or plague uh, to go around. It's, this, this story has been written many times in the past. And we just but in our lifetimes. In our lifetime. But look at the, read the Bible. What happens after people get on the other side of something like this? They go right back to where they were. The we'll, sure we'll, the we'll do the same thing if we're not careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kyle? Uh, well, uh, I hope I uh, we, we can look at the – we have the – no, no, no. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm good. We have the Bible as a past example about the Israelites did. Hopefully we can learn from that and not do what the Israelites have done. Yeah, that's and right. save God. So we need to that's get right. back. And, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Eric says we need to seek the truth and love and not hammer someone for or a congregation, but reason from the word. I commend uh, the virtual Bible study for doing exactly that. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we're that, – yeah, these Caleb, are challenging times. Caleb Westbrook said when he was talking to us, you know, we are autonomous congregations, and so we're making our choices. Uh, we've got reasons for our choices, and we'll be glad to explain our choices, but we're just trying to do our thing here. We're not the arbiters of all things. That's right. We're not the judge. Uh, Kevin says the shepherds uh, are seeing some good things that can come from this virtual study median. Uh, number one, daily Facebook scripture message. Number two, smaller study groups with sp- special focus, difficult subjects, deep topics, limited interests to name a couple things we're doing here. So uh, Kevin says they're making the best of it. Owen Purcell says, as Kevin says, I think every Christian will appreciate worshiping together significantly more after this is over. It should also give us confidence going forward, knowing that if we can survive this, whether or not we do physically, we can survive as much or more in the future. So, And the main thing here is we can determine if we're going to survive this spiritually. That's in, that's in our hands. We can determine that. Uh, we, may, we, may, we may be dead tomorrow. From the virus, but I can make sure that I survive spiritually. Thank you, Owen, for that. Uh, exactly right. Uh, number five. 
Number five, what recommendations can you suggest from scriptures for dealing with stress and anxiety at these times? Dwight says, comfort one another with faith, hope, and love of the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 5.14, encourage the faint-hearted, the feeble-minded, meaning the, those who are uh, weak spiritually. Matthew 6, verse 25, be a Christian today. God will take care of us. Be faithful unto death. He'll give you a crown of glory. Philippians 4, verse 6, pray to God. Uh, uh, Jim says these are not unique to our generation. However, Acts 8, verse 4 reminds us that even during times of tribulation, the gospel is to be preached. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 reminds us of the confidence God has in us to continue to stand for him even in the face of danger. So don't quit doing what you need to be doing, uh, Jim says, and that God uh, will stand with us. And finally, our last question, we'll have to go quickly. What are some good recommendations for using the extra time? That we might have right now, extra time. Yeah. Uh, so you're not uh, you're not doing some of those things you'd normally be doing in the rat race. What do you do? Jim says, put together Bible lessons, use social media for prayer group, learn about technology and how to use it better for the spread of the gospel. Uh, uh, here's what he did. He said, on a personal level, I had 24 years worth of sermons and three ring binders that I took out of the binders and put into books with plastic spinal cones. It took me the better part of three days. Now I have far more room in my library to claim, cram things. Way to go, Jim. Way to go, Jim. A little, you, a little organization uh, there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and Kevin says, remember the renewed interest after 9-11? Uh, hardly remembered now. That's right. I mean, it was a, lot, a big spiritual focus then. Yeah. For, we for, a couple, yeah, for a couple of days, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, and Dwight, and, Dwight says, if you got extra time, study more. Learn how to use a concordance. Study out some of these controversial issues, such as virtual worship, and pray and give comfort to your children and others. Uh, lots of things to do. Lots we of had a couple of questions. We had a couple additional questions. Brian in California had asked a couple of extra questions, and we didn't have time to include those, so I apologize for that. Yeah, I don't know if we can do a, another week on the coronavirus <laughs> or not, but we'll try. We'll, we, 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 these questions can be answered, coronavirus discussion or not, so we'll try yeah. to do those. Yeah. All right. Kyle, final thoughts from you tonight? It was a good study. I think it's uh, sadly as long as this uh, – pandemic continues i'm sure our studies will be affected on the virtual bible study and so it's uh, it's it was a good study though. yeah i'm sure, I'm sure hoping we can get back to normal sooner rather than later yeah i, I like seeing just the top of kyle's head behind the controls i mean yeah uh, that's where that's where kyle needs to be uh behind yeah. the controls so well, yeah we've seen more of kyle's i see Last couple weeks that we have in a long time. Yeah, yeah, we have. I've got nothing wrong with your, seeing your face, Kyle, but it's not where you need to be. You need to be behind those controls. And so, thanks yeah. for thanks for joining us tonight. They had a good discussion, lots of interest, um, um, and lots of things that we've got to keep in our mind uh, as we go through this. Yeah, thanks everybody for your participation. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have another episode either remotely or in person next week, one way or the other. We'll try to get a virtual Bible study out there next week, same time, same place. All right. We look forward to you joining us then. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And until we talk again, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.